Frequency, frequency, frequency matters. Welcome to the Frequency Matters Podcast. Greetings. I am your host, Kim Fendi. This is the Frequency Matters Podcast. And today we have Gwen Foster, a naturopathic doctor in Houston, Texas, that specializes in autoimmune disorders and functional medicine. And she's a big fan of Hannah Kroger. Thank you so much for being here, Gwen. Thanks, Kim. Yeah, so our last, one of our past episodes, we had Kimberly Shipke, and she shared the spectrochrome laser with us, and I asked her if she had any recommendations um, of other guests for the show, and she very quickly recommended you, so I'm very excited to have you. I'd love to hear more about your work. Great. Um, I love Kimberly, and I love her green laser. I use it myself with clients for clearing emotional issues and she's awesome so she's a a great uh, speaker as well i've been doing natural medicine for over 20 years and um like many of us in natural medicine i was what they call the wounded healer Mm -hmm. because i got into natural medicine because of my own health issues and um you know i wasn't raised in natural medicine i didn't know what energy medicine was i didn't know what frequencies were i was just a regular person and i got thrown into this crazy world because of my own health. And um, it was about 20 something years ago that I finally gave up on doctors um, because I was just in this rat race of go to a doctor, get a prescription, go to a doctor, get another prescription, go to the doctor again, get a higher prescription. And by the time I found natural medicine, I was on nine medications a day to literally stay alive. Wow. So when people, I want to give people hope because sometimes people think, like some of my conditions were shingles, lupus, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, acid reflux, adult onset asthma that was so bad that I couldn't do this. I couldn't exercise. I couldn't do anything. I spent a lot of hours in bed sleeping. And when I wasn't sleeping, I basically felt pretty bad. Wow. And with shingles and that whole mess, I, I found out that that's a side effect of, of prednisone and asthma can be a side effect of prednisone. So I, I was just kind of a mess. And when the shingles was going on, like it was so bad that like clothes could not touch my skin. My bedding couldn't touch my skin. But then if the AC vent blew on, I wanted something on, but my skin was like on fire. So it was like pretty bad kind of existence there for a while. And, um, you know, the other thing with auto, I'll say this to autoimmune people is that, when someone has cancer, like everyone kind of rallies around them, you know, feeds them, takes them to doctor appointments, you know, takes care of their kids. When you have an autoimmune disorder and you look kind of normal on the outside, there's not that level of support because people don't even really understand what you're going through. On the outside, you know, you can put makeup on, you can wash your hair and look fine, but on the inside, you're like a train wreck. And so I also have a lot of empathy for people with autoimmune disorders. But what I want to say is there's hope because I'm not on any medications for 20 years and um, I'm 60 and I feel way better at 60 than I felt at 35. 
So, you know, it's possible, but I found that through natural medicine. So once I was able to get myself back to normal, I like dove in, never thinking I was going to change careers. I had a very successful business in Houston, but the more I dove in, the more I was like, why didn't everyone know this? Why aren't we taught this in schools? Like, why, Mm -hmm. why are we in this thing that we're in with healthcare. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, so then I started like giving advice to friends and giving advice to family members. And then it just kind of took over my life. And that's where I'm at right now. (laughs) Amazing. I love that. And and I too am a, a, I would say, wounded healer. I'm a sacred sound facilitator. And the way that I got into it was just a lot of emotional uh, trauma from my past. And I found it to be such a powerful tool that I felt so called to share that with others because mm-hmm. it, it, I, I felt the benefits for myself and it, it was like a completely changed my life. So I totally get where you're coming from. And I think that that experience makes the wounded healer such a powerful influencer because and yeah, yeah. People that knew you before and see you today they know that that something is something's different mm-hmm. and it gives you the passion because if I think if it wouldn't have happened to me I wouldn't have had the level of empathy mm. and and you know very true I, I couldn't do it from the angle I do it from now because if you haven't had the experience you're doing it from oh well if you have this you do this and if you have this you do this and it's not like because if you your own experience. And Mm -hmm. that was actually, this actually Hannah Kroger's motto and it's from the Bible. It's heal thyself and then help others. Mm. And so I think that I really took that really personally, you know, call them truth bumps when you say that. (laughs) Yes. I love that. So tell us about uh, Hannah Kroger and her methods. So Hannah was like light years ahead of her time. She was named one of the top five healers in the 21st century, along with Edgar Casey and some others. She had the first health food store in America in Boulder down on Pearl Street, which is you know now mostly shopping and restaurants. But back in the day, she had the, the first health food store and there's a little spot for her and the museum there in in Boulder that you know has some of the first remedies and she actually was also the start of celestial seasonings because the guys that started celestial seasonings were just two hippie guys that were going up to Chautauqua and picking wild herbs and then they would put them in baggies and sell them at her store there on Pearl and anyway the operation at Pearl got so big she was actually known as the grandmother of health she was also known as the healer of the hippies because there's so many hippies in the folder still but back in the you know 60s there was you know quite a lot and um she would feed the poor she would she basically had a soup kitchen she was also healing people and when you went in to see her back in the day she would spend about one or two minutes with you she would see two to like one to three hundred people a day Um, The line would go down Pearl Street and around Pearl Street, and she didn't care if you were an actress or a prince of Saudi Arabia, you waited in line. There was no special preferential treatment. Everybody got a minute or two, you know, after, you know, spending all day there. And, um, you know, it didn't impact me like I heard the stories about the lines, but it didn't impact me until one year, I guess about seven, eight years ago, I had a booth at the Boulder Creek Festival 
And we had a photograph, I'll show you a picture of her. We had a photograph of Hannah on the booth. This is her picture. And um, it was on the booth in a frame and we were uh, promoting some of the classes. And um, you would not believe how many people in Boulder stopped when they saw her picture and they said, you know, she was our primary care physician. She was our, you know, one lady was probably in her thirties and she said until Hannah passed away, she was the only person she'd ever seen for health issues. Like her mom always took her there. Wow. And I would say that over a hundred people stopped at the booth and told us their personal stories of how she healed them from incurable issues or issues that, you know, the doctors were just basically band-aiding with a medication, which is basically how Western medicine operates. And um, then there was a pretty crazy story. I was buying a stained glass for the, the chapel at the retreat. And I went to a little shop in, in uh, off of Arapahoe or down, downtown Boulder and uh, went in and there's an older man, like definitely in his late seventies. And um, when he found out who, and why I was buying the same glass, he was like, oh, I'm just going to give it to you. He said he had a yellow lab that was 10 years old that the vet had said they had to put down because of the illness the dog had. So he took the dog to Hannah. Hannah did something, you know, gave him some kind of remedy and the dog lived four more years, wow. um, which is actually an old age for a lab at 14. So he was like, you can have the stained glass, oh, you know, it was going to be a so $600 piece, but he was so thankful that he had the dog for four more years. Wow. So there's just like so many stories about her and her life and her dedication. And um, she, what I think is most amazing is, is this was all in like the 50s, 60s and 70s. This is pre-internet. This mm -hmm. is this is really not even like you, you can't, you couldn't go on Amazon and buy a book about whatever, you know? Yeah. So all of her stuff is when downloaded, you know, or it was through conversation, you know, like there was some very interesting people over the years that went to Boulder that she met or she flew to other places and had these conversations. So if you think about pre-internet, you know, like you and I have this incredible amount of research we can do online mm -hmm. she had none she could do online so she either had to figure it out or it had to be something she already knew when she came here she was um born in turkey and and then lived in germany and then came here from immigrated here from germany so she was also a traveling nurse in europe with a, a really effective doctor so she actually came to the U.S. and bought the place in Boulder to heal leukemia. She could heal leukemia in nine out of 10 cases wow. and very quickly. So she thought in her mind, I'm going to go to America and heal leukemia. Well, America had something to say against that. You know, mm -hmm. they were like, no, you're not healing leukemia. You're, we're going to put you in prison for practicing medicine without a license. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it was kind of a long kind of journey how she got to Boulder but she just kept doing her thing, you know, making recommendations. And uh, so the, the way she was effective was focusing on, on the underlying cause instead of focusing on symptom management. And that's what I do. And that's what I teach is like, what's the underlying cause? Mm -hmm. And also I'll say that I think most people are intuitive. You know, most people, if you ask them 80% of the time, they know what's wrong but they can't get the confirmation from lab testing or doctors or 
you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things that doctors just don't address like parasites and candida, and they barely ever deal with adrenal issues and things that are pretty common. So I mm. think it's also like, even today, like it was weird, like through COVID, she even had remedies that are useful today. And like, she's no longer around. Like, you know, some people have heard of graphene oxide a lot lately. Well, guess what? There's a remedy called graffitis that is for that. Now she didn't know what our exposure was going to be now, but we still have remedies of hers Mm. that still address the things that we're dealing with today with, you know, the viruses and the exotic stuff. And yeah, so that's, that's, that's a little bit about her. Wow. That's so fascinating. So how did you first discover her? I know you said it was through your own health crisis, but how did you come across her work in the first place? Um, that's kind of cool story too. I was in Houston. I was just suffering through the doctor appointments. I had a, a roommate at the time who was like this raw food marathon runner. I thought she was a little nuts to be honest. And, uh, cause I'm like running 26 miles. I couldn't even barely do anything. So that just sounded crazy. Um, and she was the one that kind of said, you know, doctors may be killing you. You know, you're, you're not, you can't, you can't go to the doctors every other day and then stay in bed. Like you, you can't, this is not the answer. I had never even considered that wasn't the answer. That's how crazy things were. So she was like running to whole foods every day and buying, you know, whatever. And again, I thought whole foods was crazy too, because it was really expensive and there weren't brands in there. I I was familiar with, you know, it was just like this whole thing. So anyway, I go into whole foods and there was that book prescription for nutritional healing. And it said, if you have this condition like lupus, you might want to take these supplements. So I did little things like that. That's the only thing I did before I found, you know, the place in Boulder. But what happened was in one year, three different people that don't know each other that knew I was suffering said, have you heard about Hannah Kroger? Three different people. One was just a friend. One was another person who like was a a coworker kind of person. And another one was a person at Whole Foods. And I was like, that weird, like how, how do all these people know about this? So when I went up to Boulder the first time, I was in way over my head because this book is like her teachings okay and in two classes you go through this whole book well it was all like speaking another language to me uh, you know I had never heard of echinacea I, I mean I'm when I say that I was like a normal uh ignorant American I was you know because I hadn't I didn't know any herbs I didn't even never heard the word homeopathy and so it was like a major download of information, you know, when yeah. I went the first time. And, and this was 20, just, 20 years ago, you said? Uh, 24, 24, 24 okay. years ago. Okay. And so I, I just was like there going, I'm no, you know, I was just focused on me that first class. And, and uh, I remember there was a really awful tasting bitter tea that this is how long ago it was. So I had a tea that was in a, in a fort mason jar. 
And I remember carrying that on the plane home with me from Boulder. So, you know, now you can't you carry can. liquids through security. <laughs> so that's how long ago it was. Yeah. So I remember carrying that tea with me that I had made there. So anyway, I start taking the remedies they had come up with. This is kind of interesting. No doctor in Houston had asked me if I had traveled anywhere. They never tested me for parasites. They never tested me for anything. But I had went to Africa in 1988 and I had gotten the yellow fever vaccine, which I had had a bad reaction to. And I had also um, taken the malaria pills and I was only, only four of us finished the safari that I was on. So everyone else bailed out early because of stomach issues or diarrhea or something. And um, I actually was fine. I thought I was fine, but over that next six months is when my health went south, but huh. it was slow. It wasn't like immediate. So I, I also did not put two and two together. So that was in 1988. And so when I went to Boulder the first time, they determined it was from vaccine stuff and from Lyme disease, basically Lyme, but Lyme and malaria are the same bug. They're just called different things in different regions of the world. So I was basically on, uh, and also I had, had mono and Epstein-Barr. So they put me on these different kits, um, protozoa and, and Epstein-Barr and retrovirus stuff. And I started feeling better. And I started like going, well, this is weird. And also why didn't the doctors ask me these questions? And why didn't they check mono, Epstein-Barr, malaria? No yeah. one hadn't even brought those things up. So as time went on, I was like, wow, this is like nuts. Why, why would this be working? I'm talking about at the time it was about a hundred dollars worth of products, you know, and I had spent many thousands of dollars with insurance, mm -hmm. you know, at the doctors and on prescriptions and, you know, all that stuff. So anyway, that was the beginning. And then as time went, so six months later, I was like 80% better. Wow. And then I started changing my diet and started doing other things that got me the rest of the hundred percent better. So that's kind of what happened. You know, they did their own assessment and the way they did assessment was by dowsing. So there was no medical testing done. There was no labs run. They doused this book and came up with what I had wrong and then told me what to do. So you can imagine me at this time knowing nothing. I'm thinking this is all like hooey, right? Yeah. You know, because when you're stuck in the medical establishment and someone brings out a pendulum, I'm like, mm, <laughs> don't, don't know about this, but now I'm a huge fan. Obviously I'm a, I'm a huge dowser. I love dowsing. I love muscle testing as well. They didn't do muscle testing, but I think it's very similar. Okay. Cool. I think that's so fascinating. And you brought up the, the point that three different people mentioned her, her methods and her name to you, which I think is it's so cool. It's typically, if I hear, like, if I get the same message three times, three different places, I know, like, okay, I need to be listening to this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is important. The universe is communicating and there's something here. Pay attention is what that tells me. Exactly. So that's I've, awesome that you I've followed the it. same thing. Listen, when you get the message, listen. Yeah. And sometimes now that I've been like fine tuning that it's like sometimes the first time I just get that feeling, that gut feeling of like, oh, I need to pay attention to this. So sometimes now, like now that I've been working on that intuitive skill, 
that it's getting sharper. And so that's Mm -hmm. just like a good message for our listeners as well. Exactly. I do too. It only takes me one time. Even if I'm watching the news, I I listen to, I'm very kinesthetic. So I listen to my body's response Hmm. and my body knows when someone's saying something untrue or true. And I have this little thing that happens. It's almost like a hiccup Hmm. and it's like a, it's almost like a, like that, or like, it's like a gasp and a hiccup at the same time. And that's my sign for me to really pay attention. So like if I'm listening to a podcast, for instance, or uh, watching something, you know, YouTube, and I have that little reaction, I'll like actually pause it and go back and listen because it's like, pay more attention. Like (laughs) don't just act on it, but this is something you need to know. So I think our bodies and our minds are always like, like I said, I think most people are intuitive. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I think that's a, like, it's a, it's a human skill set that we just have to practice. That's not just some people are intuitive and some people are empathic. It's I I believe that we all have that ability. We just need Mm -hmm. to like hone our skills. I do too. I totally agree. And I think our society definitely tries real hard to make sure that we don't, (laughs) it makes it really hard to tune in sometimes based on the, the, the poisons and the environment and the food and the um, just all of the uh, electric uh, frequencies, I guess, that are, that are being, that are, that are just in our field. So yes, I agree. So important. Do you want to hear two Hannah client stories? Yes, please. Um, they're pretty, they're pretty um, interesting and funny and scary. Um I had one client named Margie that um, came to me and she was a very thin woman, like underweight. And she had, well, I can stand up, but she had a pain that was kind of constant in her right side under her right breast. And sometimes it was fairly debilitating to where she would have to press on it or hold it. And um, she'd been to many doctors who couldn't find out what was wrong with her. And I use um, a software that I'm the owner of the software. I teach the software and, 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 and share the software with other people. It includes all the Hannah Kroger stuff. And anyway, the software said, because I'm not a medical intuitive, I'll say that up front. I'm very intuitive, but, and I can douse, but I use the software to kind of speed the process up. And um, anyway, it said that she had a scarus roundworm and it said a scarus was the number one issue for her. And I was even like thinking, I don't know if that makes sense with that symptom. Like I was really convinced in my logical brain that, okay, the liver is right there and this must be a liver issue. Okay. So I was, you know, in my, this is why sometimes we have to get outside of our brain (laughs) and dowels or do something else, because if it was my brain, I would have went to liver. Um, But it said it was Ascara. So I had put her on Hannah's parasite cleanse. And she did it for a month and literally nothing happened. Like she had no nothing. And, and I was like, okay. And I'm still kind of questioning that this is correct. And then the second month she, cause you're supposed to do parasite cleanses for 60 days. Okay. And the reason is, is because parasites lay larvae and eggs. And mm-hmm. if you do it too short of a period of time, you have another problem in a few months because mm-hmm. those larvae and eggs are now full parasites. Mm -hmm. So anyway, the second month in one particular day, she ate a bowl of oatmeal, a large salad, 
and another bowl of oatmeal. So that's quite a lot of fiber, right? And um, I remember that she was calling me, like my phone was just like burning up. Um, and I was like, but it was in the middle of the night, you know, so like I didn't, I didn't know she was blowing up my phone till the next morning. Mm-hmm. And she had sent me pictures of what was in the toilet. Oh my now, goodness. I don't love waking up to pictures in the toilet, <laughs> but it happens enough that it's gotten to be kind of funny. And what came out of her after eating all this roughage was these parasite nests. And one was the size of about a grapefruit. And oh then one was the size of about an orange and three were about the size of golf balls. And they look like uh, tumbleweeds. So it looked like almost seaweed on the outside and there were dead and live worms. Oh my goodness. And this mess. Now, what I haven't said was before she came to me, she was convinced she had parasites. And she went to the one parasitologist in Houston who told her she didn't. Okay. So when I told her it was Ascaris, she did the parasite cleanse because she in her mind thought she had parasites. Mm -hmm. But a doctor who had done testing on her had already said, no, it wasn't. So anyway, this woman fishes out these things out of the toilet and she puts them in a container. Wow. (laughs) Takes them to that doctor (laughs) who said, oh, well, the testing didn't pick it up. Like, like (laughs) she pays all this money and then nothing. Wow. And you know what? That pain in her right side was gone. What we figured out was that it wasn't delivered at all. It was, you know, the colon is ascending and descending and where it does that is like right across like where the belly button is and it comes up, goes across and then goes down again. It was in that, in that corner where these nests had built up Oh my! and the pain was every time she would eat, the food would get backed up behind these parasite nests oh. and that was where the discomfort was coming from. So anyway, that's, that's one. Um, And then the other one was a lady who was a, um, she had intestinal cancer and she had had traditional medicine for the cancer. But when the reason she came to me was because after the cancer treatment, she looked like she was nine or 10 months pregnant. And she was like a woman about 50 years old. And so when she came to me, she was like, I don't know what this is, but she said she actually felt things moving around. And I was like, okay, well, only one thing does that and that's parasites. But I did douse and do the scan on her. It did show multiple parasites, tapeworms, pinworms, all kinds of stuff. And then just like the other woman, she was like, yeah, my doctor said I don't have parasites. And so doctors just like automatically go to, no, you don't. And also people should know that if, if you're being tested for pinworms, they're testing for pinworms. But if you have flukes or tapeworm or something else, then those are not going to show up on a pinworm test. And this is the problem with traditional testing for parasites. Anyway, what we were doing was I was using a scanner device on her belly to try to get the motility back. And so that things could move because she was very backed up. Okay. So anyway, long story short, I have her on parasite products that I actually don't think she was very compliant on because her doctor told her she didn't have parasites. Mm -hmm. So 
um, she came in and she was doing ion foot baths and um, to try to get her to help detox. We were doing everything we could think of. So one particular day she comes in, she had had a gash in her um, ball of her foot from stepping on something in the yard. And this particular day, I'm in another room with a client. She's in the ion foot bath and she starts like screaming bloody murder, like top of her lungs screaming, like hysterical. And I go running in there. I'm thinking, is she electrocuted? What's happened? You know, because ion foot bath has like a frequency in the water to draw out stuff. Okay. Well, there was, and I'm not exaggerating. There were at least 300 parasites in the tub of water that had come out through that gash in her foot. Oh and they God. were all kinds of shapes and sizes. They were trying to crawl out of the foot tub. Ugh. It was disgusting. Oh my but, but she was convinced after that she got through the parasite cleanse and then she, you know, got better. <sighs> but that was like, just, <laughs> no, it's gross. It was just like two quick stories of things that again, Western medicine, is not going to address. It's not going to take care of these things. Wow. That's so fascinating and, and disgusting, <laughs> but amazing all at the same time. Yeah. Um, so I have one, one more quick question. Um, how do you, what do you do with a, like a tub full of parasites that are trying to escape? <laughs> That's kind of funny. Cause my mom was working <laughs> for me at the time and my mom comes in there and sees this Mm -hmm. And she was like, I don't get paid enough. <laughs> yeah. So we, um, the ion foot bath had like a plastic, uh, protector thing, like a trash bag. Uh -huh. So we went and we poured all that down the toilet and flushed it. Wow. And then we took the trash baggy thing out into the dumpster. Oh. So it was, it was pretty bad, pretty gross. Wow. That is all awesome awesomely disgusting <laughs> <laughs> exactly I want to get back to uh, a few topics you mentioned that you have a software that you are the owner and that you use is that new vision mm -hmm. I saw that on your website can you talk a little bit about that sure so new vision is um, kind of a progression so like when I got into natural medicine in the beginning um, I, my first degree out of high school was electronics so like I could actually build a computer, build a power supply. I mean, like make one from scratch. And I worked on computers and mainframes and all the stuff, you know, back in the eighties. So cool. I, I didn't a hundred percent embrace dowsing in the beginning, as I said. And so I'm definitely a computer person. And so when I was introduced to something called a QXCI or SKIO a long time ago, 25 years ago, I automatically was like, I want this, you know, because it was a way to do an analysis without dowsing. And, um, and that technology, the older technology are random number generators and random number generators are systems like the Indigo system, life system, NES, Asira, any, any system that does a health scan in natural health or energy medicine that doesn't give you reproducible results is in the category of a random number generator. And then there's like a second category that I'd call things that are like the acupoint systems, like a Mead system or a Meridian system where someone is gonna put a probe and points on acupuncture points and it gets a reading either high or low. So that's a different technology. And I think that that's really good. And it, it really depends on the skill set of the practitioner 
when you're doing acupuncture points, because it's not just the point, it's also their knowledge, you know, what to do with that information. Mm -hmm. So in, I guess it's been 13 years ago now, I was um, using random number generator technology, using my intuition, using dowsing. I mean, you have to all kind of pull it together because you can imagine if you have a system that isn't reproducible, you have to have a pretty good intuition or knowledge to discern what the information is telling you. Because if you do another scan five minutes later on that person, the information changes. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to go, well, what's important here out of this randomness? Um, so anyway, um, there was a few guys in Europe, in the Netherlands that uh, had contacted me and they, and I flew over and um, we met and we put the system together. So I did new vision. I did all the data and the work sets based on basically Hannah Kroger's work and a lot of other stuff I was using functional medicine. And then they did the programming. So it's basically in, in the AI world, um, but it's a matching tool. So, and it's reproducible. So if I do a scan on UCAM, it's going it, to, let's say it said low iron. It's going to say low iron until there isn't low iron. So I can count on the results. And if, let's say something isn't working, it's the wrong product or the, the person's not being compliant, maybe. Um, and that happens a lot. But, um, you know, it, it's those indicators that tell me like, you know, what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, I, I see patterns and match those patterns to the person's symptoms. Like, you know, there's certain things like we've been talking about parasites so far. So I'll just use that as one example. There's, there's nothing else in, in the world that affects people at the full moon except parasites. So if someone is sick or has a flare up of symptoms every month at the full moon, there's nothing else that can do that. Viruses don't act that way. Bacteria don't act that way. Candida doesn't act that way. Um, but also there's nothing else in the body that can cause what people feel moving inside, <laughs> you know, like something's moving under the skin or something is moving in the eyes or they, you know, like the lady that felt things moving in her abdomen, there's nothing else that causes that sensation. Hmm. So sometimes like with the background and the knowledge, you just kind of know, okay, this is a parasite, but then you don't know which parasite. Mm -hmm. you know, is it a tapeworm? Is it a pinworm? Is it a fluke? Is it a, you know, a single cell parasite? So that's where new vision really helps. And I even have some medical intuitives that use new vision because they might get intuitively that the liver is a problem or something's the problem, but they can't go into that level of um, specificity that says it's a liver fluke or it's a lung fluke or something like that. So that's like where it's really, really helpful to me and helpful to um, the people that use New Vision, because I think we have an edge up on getting to those underlying causes. And so with New Vision, but also really from the foundation of Hannah's work, the focus is always the underlying cause. Um, and I'll give you an, a great example of that. So I had a lady come in that's a, a person in Houston that is a, a cranial sacral worker. And she herself has had very significant TMJ. Okay. And that's actually why she became a cranial sacral practitioner. You know, like everyone else, you have a problem, you try yeah. to fix it, you learn the technique, right? Mm -hmm. So, but she wasn't getting relief. Okay. She was still like affected by TMJ, even with cranial sacral. So anyway, she comes in 
I know her only socially. Like, I don't know anything about her family or her history or anything like that. And what shows up on her scan was incest and specifically her father and her grandfather. Wow. Now, this is very specific, um, but this is also a hard subject to talk about when you're, you know, I, I'm 100% sure of what New Vision tells me, mm -hmm. but it's still a hard subject to bring up. Sure. So, you know, sometimes it's a delicate thing. And I had to say, hey, this looks like it's related. Because I asked, what is the underlying cause of the TMJ and, you know, her specific description? Mm -hmm. And I said, it seems like it's related to childhood and something happened, you know, with a, a male in your family. I didn't like blurt it out, but I was trying to say it delicately to get her response. Mm -hmm. She turned like, why does your shirt? Mm. And she was like, how do you know that? Wow. And I was like, well, is, is, did that happen? And she goes, yeah. And she said from my dad and my grandfather for seven years, she was raped. Oh, wow. And okay. So as synchronicity goes, I had just been with Dr. Emoto, the water guy, yeah. which I adore. I've been around, I've been, I've met him three times, but he came wow. to Houston and was at University of Houston doing a, a lecture, very interesting lecture based on this particular client, because what, what pe most people don't know about Dr. Emoto is that he was a healer. Hmm. It's not the water thing made him famous, but he was a naturopath and he did all kinds of frequency medicine and frequency stuff. And he was a really interesting guy. And in the presentation at University of Houston, he used rape as an example. He said, if you're violated, then his belief was that your symptoms are going to go physical, emotional, physical, emotional, physical, emotional, and you're just going to keep having more stuff until this is resolved. Hmm. So he used rape as an example. And you can imagine if you're a child being raped, you're being violated and you're going to tighten up. You're going to clench your teeth. You're going to constrict you know, well, what are symptoms of constriction? TMJ, yeah, patient, gut issues, spasms, all of these are constrictions. So then, um, you know, you might have anxiety, depression, constrictor symptoms, and then you start thinking, what's wrong with me, or blaming yourself somehow, because when you're a kid, why, why are people doing this? Mm -hmm. So that's autoimmune. When, when you blame yourself, that's autoimmune. Hmm. So you go through the full gamut of health issues. Yeah. And I think from like yeah. what your blog is about, like with energy, what I think people should realize is that the manifestations of most illnesses start in our field mm -hmm. because of environment and circumstance. But then they, they're out here first. And then they, we internalize and then the physical issues start and those physical issues are, are really a sign from our body asking for help. But then we don't realize that. So someone goes and takes a pain reliever or takes a, mm -hmm. some, a steroid or takes an antibiotic, but really the body is asking for help and not that kind of help. So those drugs suppress the the symptoms, but it's not resolved. So then you have the next layer. So based on Emoto, which I do believe, 
it, it kind of does do that. It's like the environment trigger. And, and actually, Bruce Lipton says very similar things with his biology of belief and biology of perception. There's always a trigger. Even with cancer, there's a trigger. And I'm a big German New Medicine fan, and I can always find the trigger with cancer because something caused wow. that cancer gene to turn on. And it's always an emotional, unexpected event. Anyway, back to this lady. Um, she just was like kind of blown away, but she also got it. She got, and I just basically repeated what I just told you about Dr. Emoto. Mm -hmm. so anyway, a month later, I didn't do anything. I just delivered the information and she's a adept woman. She actually does Akashic readings and some other things. She's a pretty cool lady. And so she knows a lot of healing techniques herself. She just never put those two things together. So once sometimes you have the right information, your brain can start unraveling mm -hmm. and realize, oh, it's because of that. And that's way gone. They're dead. You know, that's not going to happen again. Yeah. And she healed herself. Um, you know, it just kind of unwound the issue. And then, you know, this didn't need to happen anymore. Wow. So whenever someone's violated, you know, it's still going back to underlying cause. And if we can't heal the underlying cause, then all we're ever going to do is mask or band-aid the symptoms. Right. Right. So how do, how does the, how do you get a reading? Like, what do you, what's the process look like? Um, I put in the person's name, date of birth and place of birth. And that's it. And that creates a, if, if we want to say it creates a holographic representation so if I put in my name, Gwen Foster, my date of birth, place of birth, it creates a, it's not very Star Trek-y. It creates a hologram of that person, but in a computer model. And it's not in my laptop. It's in our servers. We have supercomputers. It's in that. And it does an analysis. And then it spits out what the person, what it's reading from their field. So like wow. our field carries all of our wounds, all of our traumas, all of our thought processes, and I always tell my clients, it's super important to understand, and this is a very NLP thing too, is, you know, um, this this is fresh for me right now because of some a clients this week, but, you know, if someone has it in their head that they're going to get breast cancer because their mother and grandmother and aunt have it, they're going to manifest it. You know, yeah. there's no question to me that we're going to manifest because if that's in our field and everybody's talking about genetic testing and everybody's talking about, well, you know, your mom had breast cancer when she was 42 and you're 41. It's not a lot different than when the doctor tells someone they have six months to live and they die at five months and 28 days. Yeah. When they accept that death sentence, literally their clock starts with the goal of dying. You know, so we have to be really careful. It's not even different than saying, well, if I eat that cake, it's going to go to my butt. Well, if that's what you believe, it is going to go to your butt, right? you know, because everything that we have going on in our thought processes, even if we don't say it out loud, our body is listening and we have to be really careful. And sometimes I do it too. I'm not saying I don't ever do it. Um, sometimes I'll do it not so much for myself, but even like with my dogs, you know, like I get scared because I have a pit bull situation going on and I have to watch that situation in my head because if I worry something's going to happen to my dogs, they're not worried. 
I'm putting that out there for them. Mm-hmm. So I think we, you know, I just tell my clients, we have to be really careful mm-hmm. with the, those thought processes that now it, with my, the this cranial sacral practitioner, she didn't have a thought process that was related to that. So I'm just using a different analogy that if we, if we take on a health condition, I even had a lady once tell me that she knew she was marrying the wrong man. And on her wedding night, this is so silly. On her wedding night, she said to God, if I married the wrong man, then I deserve to get breast cancer. She got breast cancer two years later. Wow. And she knew she married the wrong guy. She told me this. And I was like, why would you put that out there? And she said, I don't know why I did that. And I was like, holy goodness. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So our body's listening. Mm-hmm. She knew she the wrong guy and she basically created what she put out there so we do have to be really super careful yeah so like a lot of times as I've been working on becoming more conscious and more mindful I will recognize that no matter how conscious and mindful I am these thoughts can still do their thing our mind still creates these stories and man like if we're not like you said if we're not careful we can manifest that so what what does your process look like when you identify that your mind is is doing that if you say oh wait hang on how can you reverse that um that's a good question so there's something i don't even know where i learned this but i think it was when i learned hypnosis and neurolinguistic programming i think this came up there but it's called thought stopping and basically when you when you realize that you're doing it and you have to realize you're doing it that's the first step is you just immediately so let's say i'm worried let's use my dog so mm-hmm. let's say i'm i'm saying i'm thinking to myself this pit bull is going to attack leroy my puppy and and i'm worried that you know something's going to happen to leroy you know um then as soon as i think of pit bull or i think of leroy i think of something happy so mm-hmm. i i just it's it's a learned technique because, you know, what they say is if you do anything for 21 days, it changes a habit. So at first, this sounds silly. It sounds like that's not going to work, but it does work. But you have to keep doing it. Because the more those thoughts creep in, the more you have to practice getting them out. So what I tell my clients is have three go-to happy thoughts. Hmm. You know, something that you experienced that was really nice and fun or a time that you felt super great, or you looked in the mirror and was like, Ooh, I like that outfit. Or sometimes people have a a hard time thinking of a great experience, you know, or think of a birthday party someone threw for you or your wedding day or whatever. Some people, you know, it's not something that has a bad connotation. It's something that is a pleasant thing. Mm -hmm. So I think of in this particular example, I think of my puppies kissing all over me and jumping all over me and just being super happy. So as soon as I have a negative thought that something could happen to one of my dogs, I immediately make myself think of happy or I just start loving on them if I can, if it's in that situation where I can, Mm. because you want to stop it. Now, I want to add one more thing. Um, There's a lady in Houston named Nancy White. She was the head of ICEMS for many years, which is the study of the brain and all the neurochemistry. Mm. She said that if someone has serotonin deficiency, They'll have neural ruts in the brain that cause this problem to be harder to resolve. So like, let's say that you say, 
okay, Monday, I'm going to stop eating sugar and I'm going to start walking three miles a day. And Monday comes and you just don't do it. You just can't ever start a new thing. Well, that's the same as starting a new thought process. So if you get kind of stuck and trapped in that, I can't think of something new. I can't do something new. It, I, it, I just can't. Something keeps happening. Then it might be that you're low in serotonin. And serotonin can also cause low mood, depression, and sleep issues. So if someone tells me they can't do it, they just can't. Their, their brain just keeps going to this bad thought. It's usually a serotonin deficiency. So 5-HTP in that case is the solution. Hmm. But I was also going to tell you a story about a lady. Um, this is also a new vision story, but it kind of also is something I'm kind of, sometimes I'm kind of mean to clients because they need some tough love, you know? So I had this woman come in and she had all this depression and sadness and anger and anxiety and uh, she was kind of a mess and it was messing up her digestive system because it was all the stuff was eating at her. And on New Vision, it said it was related to an ex-lover, ex-partner, ex-husband. It was related to some kind of breakup. It's related to a guy. And this woman has, she's in her 70s. She has a complete meltdown when I said what it was related to. She is like hysterically crying. I can't understand what she's saying. She is distraught, you know, she's like very upset. Mm -hmm. And and I could get that she's saying that someone cheated on her. It was an infidelity issue. And then it took her about 30 minutes of this heaving and crying. And it was it was almost like it happened yesterday, right? Like this guy just left her. They must have had six kids together. I'm just thinking, oh my God, this sounds terrible. Mm -hmm. And then she says, I said, oh my God, when did this happen? She says 1978. Wow. Okay. That's over 45. That's 45 years ago. Wow. And then I said, not okay. <laughs> Your response is not okay for something that happened 45 years ago. And so Carolyn Mace, who is quite skilled at energy medicine and stuff too, she said something once and why people don't heal. She said, you get three times to talk about your crap three and after that you're the problem hmm. you know how many people talk about their husband or their kids or their who their stepdaughter or whoever and they're that kind of friend that just has diarrhea of the mouth on the phone you know like every time you talk to them every every time you talk to them someone has done something to them yeah. You know, or it's the same over and over, but they don't change the job. They don't change the husband. Oh, they yeah. just keep in that situation. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's another thing I tell people is you have three times, you know, you can't, you can't have carry this wound around with you for 45 years. And especially with that much charge, can you imagine carrying that much emotion about something someone did to you? She never remarried. She never even dated since this infidelity issue 40 plus years ago. And that's like really sad that she never got over it, mm -hmm. but she was also very stuck in all her health issues because of this particular problem. So that was another very interesting case on, on new vision that, you know, I could never predict that that's what this, what was this woman's story, you know, before I brought that up, she was fine and you know hard to really read on what was really the problem 
Wow. That's amazing. So, so you put in your name, your birthday and your place of birth, and it somehow tunes into your energy field where you're at today. Mm -hmm. It would be like your, your phone number, you know, or the zoom ID, you know, that's how we're both on zoom together. So that's, that's how it targets the, well, that is how it creates the profile for the, the target identifier. So not a lot different than how cell phones and other identifiers work. It's just the identifier that we use. Wow. That's so interesting. Um, you talked about uh, a couple other things that I wrote down. Um, also fascinating stuff. Okay. So how does the dowsing come into play once you use the tool? Um, so I use dowsing independent, like in a pinch somewhere I put my, my pendulum. I was going to show you a few things. So Hannah's book, let me just get to a page that makes sense of let's say specific conditions. So it's a dowsing book. Um, and this book is on my website, but let's say if you can see this, mm-hmm. so it's a dowsing book. And so there's bullet points in each chapter. And what you do is you just go down, like I can douse it. it does a person have an issue in this column? Does a person have an issue in this column? Mm-hmm. If I get a yes, then yeah, I can say, is it the first half of the column? Or I can just go down the list and douse each item. If I get a yes on something, so let's say I do get a yes on, uh, let's say asthma, because I had that. Um, then I can go to the page in the book and there's a list of remedies and recipes and herbs and foods that help with asthma. Wow. So then I can go and, and douse that list and see which would be the most dominant um, or best effective remedy for the person. So part of it is in asking the question, you know, what's the underlying cause of their health issue? And then the second half of the question is, what's the best solution for this particular issue? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's it's pretty crazy what shows up because I think I've learned the most from dowsing the book because sometimes something will show up and you'll be like, well, why would that work? You know, like that's not what my go-to would be, but then you find out something else from them that connects the dots, you know, like for instance, leukemia and lymphoma and those kind of cancers are grief related. Asthma has also a component of grief, like the, (laughs) that kind of hyperventilating crying is a, is one of the causes of cancer. I mean, uh, asthma, So when you're dowsing the book and you see that it's grief that is the underlying cause, especially with childhood leukemia, um, it's um, maybe the parents got divorced and the kid is crying their self to sleep every night, but the parents are saying, you're fine, you're fine, you're better off. You know, the kid doesn't feel better off, but a lot of times the parents kind of placate that, you know, you're fine, you're going to be better with mom and dad apart, Hmm. but little kids don't feel that way. Um, and so when you're dowsing the book and you get something like that, that then you have to decide, okay, are you going to use like the green laser that Kimberly has? Are you going to give them a remedy for grief or maybe a flower essence or have some talk therapy with the child, you know, getting the parents on board. So it's different depending on what the solution is, but basically you find out the primary issues with the seven underlying causes like congestion, trauma, Um, pathogens like parasites, miasms, which we haven't talked about. Then you go to the next level, which is, okay, then what's 
what in that category then where are you at and then what's the best solution specifically hmm. 90 percent of the time it's in the book 10 percent of the time it may be something else you know that is the best um solution so basically you're just kind of going like if you were to use the book and do like a full assessment it might take an hour hmm. um you know because you have to douse all these things and come up with a plan but that's what people do when they when they do it the manual method and that's what i teach so i'm actually teaching these courses this year i haven't taught them live in a few years just because of being busy but i'm teaching the hannah one class in january which is the seven underlying health issues the main the main major categories and then in august i'm teaching um, the specific conditions and the spiritual is issues and the index method of the book which is like going by the actual condition and working backwards well, and then cool. in and then in late September, I'm teaching the hands-on class at my house and um, in Houston. And the hands-on class is the, the more physical manipulation techniques that we can't do over Zoom. You know, it's like the tailbone adjustment or the seven candle ceremony. So I was going to just show one little thing that's pretty cool. Okay. Um, I, I didn't know this was possible until I took the classes, but you can, with Hannah's work, you can do remote work and work on someone that isn't here. And this was also kind of one of those stories that when I first heard it, I was like, really? So I had, when I was in hypnosis school, I had heard a story about a group of um, homeopaths that had went up to uh, Mount Shasta and they had gotten themselves into some poison ivy. And one of the people was aware and knew that you could do this. And so they, this is a Tao, but they used a stick and they drew a circle in the dirt and they wrote rust tox, which is the homeopathic remedy for poison ivy in the dirt. And all of them, but one person stood in that circle. So they didn't have a remedy. They didn't even have a pen with them. <laughs> so they did it in the dirt. And all of them, except the one person who didn't stand in the circle got relief from the poison ivy, but the one didn't. So then they they did it for that person too. So that was like the first time I even heard of anything like this. And so then I was at Hannah's place and she had said, when you don't have a remedy on hand, just write it on a post-it note. I, I write it on my forearm and I'll just write the name of the remedy because it's about the energy of the remedy or the information of the remedy. Wow. It's not that you need the physical remedy because the physical remedy is just information as well, especially in homeopathy. Yeah. So anyway, um, Hannah would say, write on a piece of paper and stick it in your bra or stick it in your pocket because you just want the remedy in your field, right? So you can also do the same thing with a photograph. You can take a photograph of a sick person and put the name of the remedy, or let's say this bottle, this is called crisis desert emergency formula, which I love. It's like a, a rescue remedy. And you can put that, on their photograph if they're having a really hard time let's say or let's say they just had surgery and you want to do something for them but you don't know what to do so this is just like do you know about the indian in the maasai um have you ever heard anything about them the maasai tribe in africa i have not um so they have this kind of quirky thing for a, a culture that's never seen a tv before but they don't they don't won't let you photograph them Okay. Um, and they don't want to photograph them because they know that you can manipulate through photography, Okay. but you can do it in a good or bad way. 
you know, so that's how like curses and things can happen, but it's also how you can do good stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like putting a remedy on a photograph to help the person. So anyway, one thing I learned and Hannah would break a lot of pencils. So I got a thicker type of pencil <laughs> is she would use a skeletal chart. So let's say a client calls me from New York and their back is giving them problems. Then I can put this on the skeletal chart on the issue where the back is and adjust them. Wow. So I can do this remotely because it's all energy. It doesn't have to be done locally. And then this is one of her gadgets. This is a blood clot board and a blood clot board has dried molasses and magnets inside. Molasses is a natural blood thinner because it's high in iron. And then the magnets is like the energy part of this little device. So if someone has a blood clot and a lot of people have blood clots right now, you can also use a skeletal chart and you can put the, the, um, you can either um, slowly um, do like this to um, clear the blood clot, or I can mail them a blood clot board. Um, I have a funny story about this too. Um, Or I can just lay it on the part of the body where the blood clot is and leave it on the blood clot board and then go back and check in later. So what I would normally do with that is douse the body to see where the blood clot is exactly and then work on it remotely if they're not here with me. If they're here with me, I can use a massage table and do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But if they're not here with me, I can do this. But I have a funny story. So I have a guy friend that did show a blood clot in his torso and um, he was in New Mexico. And um, one of the things that Hannah had said is if you don't have a blood clot board, you can use a bottle of molasses because the molasses, again, if it's in your field, it hasn't, there's an energetic response. So he um, goes to bed with the bottle of molasses and he has it like down in the groin area. Well, the next morning he gets up, he didn't think about it. He gets about his day where he was staying with his mom who went in to make his bed. She finds a bottle of molasses in the bed and she's like um I found something in your bed I'm sure she was very curious why he had a bottle of molasses in his bed that's amazing (laughs) but it it was unopened so it was just a funny story um but anyway it cleared the blood clot wow and it's really good for helping bruises heal easily I had a massive bruise on my arm three days ago right here I think you can barely see it I don't even know if you can see it at all Mm -hmm. now it was massive three days ago and I've been putting the blood clot over this area and I have an ACE bandage that kind of keeps it there because I'm busy. So I've got stuff to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, you know, at night, you know, making dinner, watching something on TV in bed. It's, I don't know if you can, I can't even. Oh, I see it. a tiny bit. Yeah. Yeah. But it was black on Sunday. Wow. I mean, it was like black, like the background on Zoom. And so it's really good for like, um, or blood clot or I'm sorry you, you know, cut out for a second you said it's um, really it's really good for like bruising um okay. goose eggs concussions blood clots it's good for all those things okay that's amazing um so how long like it, how long does it take to work pretty fast like i said this was black on on sunday and for me if i don't do anything for a bruise it could last weeks like my you have bruises. to hold it you have to keep it on there for the all three days or is it like oh a... no 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 I had it on for like an hour a day okay. each day cool. so 
Um, yeah, I guess that's my question. Like with the poison ivy circle, like, and like, how long do you need to stay in that field for it to impact you? They didn't, when the, that story I heard about that was in the hypnosis guild and they did not say that they, how long they were in there. I can't imagine it was long because they're hiking in Mount Shasta. So I doubt it was more than like 10 or 20 minutes. Okay. Um, and homeopathy works that way. If you have the right remedy, it's magic. It works like super fast. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if it's the right thing. So I, I, I can't imagine they were there very long. Yeah. Cool. Um, oh, I have a whole lot more questions just because I think the work that you're doing is so fascinating and so um, important today in today's world, just based on the, the place that we're at in our medical field and all the health crises that are being experienced by so many people. Um, but I do want to wrap it up just to be respectful of our time. Okay. So um, I think I'll jump to uh, my question about frequency um, in your line of work and just in general, what does frequency matters mean to you or does frequency matter? How does it matters matter? a lot? <laughs> yeah, it matters a lot. And I think that to me, there's two levels of the way I perceive frequency. So I do perceive frequencies from the literal perspective of Hertz, you know, so like rye frequencies using um, frequency generators, which you can now get on your phone for like six or $9. No one needs Rife equipment anymore. It's, it's, it's obsolete because I, can, I have several frequency apps on my phone and anyone that cares, you can go by Nina Silver's wonderful frequency handbook. And if you have any health condition of anything and you wanna work with literal frequencies, not like scalar or other stuff, we'll talk about that second, but you can buy her book, which is about a hundred and something dollars. And literally it has every health condition you've ever imagined. And it tells you which frequencies to use. And any layperson can buy a frequency app on their phone for under $10 and do the frequencies they need. Wow. So that's just like one thing that everyone should be empowered to know. What's that um, book called or who's it by? Uh, it's Nina Silver. And she's, she changed the spelling of her name. It's uh, her last name is S-Y-L-V-E-R. Okay. And her first name is Nina, N-E-N-A-H. She's a wonderful special lady. And I think she's the world expert on actual frequencies for health. Cool. Her book is amazing. It's, it's almost like a naturopathic encyclopedia with the, the frequencies um, specified in alphabetical order by health condition. So if you have breast cancer, it says, use these frequencies in this order this many times a day for this many minutes. Wow. It, it is the number one thing that everyone should have that really wants to work with like what I call frequencies. Yeah. But I think there's another thing that's frequencies that's more what I'd say is more the informational frequencies or the information that we hold in our energy field. Um, and I think that that's more like even homeopathy, like the graffiti's remedy is you know, these are all produced now using radionics and these are all produced with a digital imprint these days. The original homeopathy of a hundred years ago was a drop of the substance of arsenic or pituitary gland or whatever. That hasn't happened in the US for a very long time. Um, these are all like imprinted with information. So that's why I think the writing something on a piece of paper or writing it on your arm it's a frequency in a different way. Now, I think frequency, the term is used loosely, like when we're talking about Reiki is a type of 
you know, energy Mm -hmm. and energy is frequency, but then some of it's not measurable. Mm -hmm. So they'll try to call this like scalar or, you know, quantum or something like that. But for me, technically frequency is measurable, but I think that there's a lot of stuff that's informational. So me telling the client that her TMJ had to do with rape is, is, is a type of frequency too, but Mm -hmm. it's informational. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what we hold in our field is still information. We can't measure it. There's no way to measure it, but we can tap into it. This is how medical intuitives operate. You know, they have a way to tap into that information and that field and some are quite good. So that's, that's what it means to me. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, well, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. How can people get in touch with you? Okay, so they can get in touch with me. The best way is through my website. It's um, Gwen Foster, my name, ND for naturopathicdoctor.com. And you can also, if someone's interested in the HANA classes that I'm doing this year, you can purchase them on my website. All the HANA gadgets and all of her products are available on my website. I carry all of her stuff. I carry other stuff too, but I definitely carry all of her things. And I would just like to say that if anyone wants to be empowered, you know, to take care of your own health, I think the HANA classes are a great start because they're not, it's not a class for practitioners necessarily, even though I think it's great for practitioners, but it's really for the lay person who wants to help themselves and and help their families Mm -hmm. and maybe their friends. Um, So I don't want anyone to think that this is only a practitioner thing, but the best way to contact me is through my website or my email. So my website is Gwen Foster ND for naturopathic doctor, and it's G-W-E-N-F-O-S-T-E-R-N-D.com. And you can also um, register for the HANA classes there. There's a button at the top of the page that says HANA classes 2023. But also I carry all those products, the HANA products and plus other stuff. Um, You can also schedule an appointment there if someone wants to schedule an appointment for an assessment and consultation. And that looks like a new vision scan. I do functional medicine lab interpretation of people's labs. I can order labs or hormone testing, stuff like that. And then um, that first appointment's an hour and a half and we can go through a lot of information, like literally everything physically and emotionally an hour and a half. But that's all on my website too. But if someone wants to send me an email, it's Gwen, G W E N, at G F, like Frank, I A dot net. And that's also on my my reply on my email. So you'll have that information, Kim, if you like to share it. I also have some social media pages that my assistant Lindsay will post, you know, specials or promotions or what I'm doing or class information. And I do a lot of webinars. So if you send an email and you want to be on my email list, I do webinars about every two weeks on health education. Last This week, I did the top 10 health issues I see. The time before that, I did hormones. The time before that, it was thyroid and adrenal issues. So the webinars are just a free. They're free. They're just like information like this, where I try to talk to people about ways to help themselves and look at um, health a different way. So each month, it's a different topic. Awesome. And yeah, so that all keeps me pretty busy. Yeah. And now you were saying that um, even if you didn't want to take the HANA classes to become a practitioner, maybe great for just to use with your family and friends to help empower and put that healing ability back into our, our hands. 
Is that correct? Exactly. It's meant to empower because I really don't want people to depend on me. I'm not going to be around someday, you know, so I want my my clients and everyone I know to be empowered to have the same information. And trust me, you guys don't know me in the past. If I can do this, anyone can do this, <laughs> like anybody, you know, when someone says, well, I don't have your knowledge. Well, I didn't either 24 years ago, you know, so, and I don't think it's too late to start because I was 40 when I uh, almost 40, you know, when I jumped into this world. So I'm 60 now. So it's been, you know, 20 years, but um, I don't think it, anyone's ever too old to learn. And um, also like, I kind of like knowing the information instead of having always to depend on other people. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's definitely, but I also think that it's great for practitioners too, because um, a lot of practitioners that I know still treat symptoms instead of getting to the underlying cause. So if you just want to learn something new and learn a different way, um, I think it's it's really a foundation that can help anybody. Wonderful. Yeah, for sure. I'm fascinated by it. And I definitely have a couple of people in mind that are in my life that I would love to send your way. So I, you know, I, I hope that, they, that you can help them because I, I know that we all, I think, collectively know people that have kind of gone into that hopelessness um, based on their condition in the current medical arena and seeing doctors and not getting relief and just feeling like, well, this is just something I have to live with. And I just, I feel that that's, that's not the end. So I'm, I'm so grateful for having you today and for sharing all that you have. And uh, I hope to keep in touch. Okay, good, Kim. Thank you. And right. thanks for the, the great interview. And um, I look forward to talking to you in the future. My pleasure. Take care and many blessings to you and yours. Right. You too. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Be sure to tune in to my next episode of the Frequency Matters podcast, published on July 30th. I have the opportunity to interview Kat Toth, representative of the Kongan Water Machine, and we will have a fascinating and life-altering conversation about living water and the impact that it can have on our bodies. Thank you. Have a blessed and beautiful day. Frequency, 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 frequency matters. matters. matters.